Thompson, and you're listening to Dynamo's Dozen. Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week where I will talk about whatever may be on my mind, from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, musely, fresh socks and jocks, and everything in between, never forgetting the talc. And this is Dynamo's Dozen, we are going back in time. This is Dynamo's Dozen, and we are going back in time. Today, I have a very special and important guest in the world of professional wrestling, and former WWE slash F superstar, and one half of the legendary tag team, The Killer Bees. Brian Blair, B. Brian Blair, is also the chairman of the highly prestigious Cauliflower Alley Club. But before we get to Brian, I want to do this. And I want to talk about Thoughts from the Deep. So today on Thoughts from the Deep, there's going to be a few things that I've got to talk about. Um, I'm going to do some at the beginning and then I'm going to do some at the end after the Brian Blair interview. But I have to start off with White Collar Wrestling for Mags. You've heard me talk about this event for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And you've seen the posts on Facebook and Twitter and... Um, that has been shared as well so let me give you a bit of history again as to why this event was put in place by Irish wrestler and coach Alexander Dean of course with the help of all the great people down in Fight Factory Pro Wrestling Mags is a 32 year old recently married woman facing a huge huge health battle um, Mags requires life-saving surgery in the US and she needs your help to make it happen Mags has multiple health conditions that have drastically affected her quality of life over the last few years. Mags uh, suffers from a rare genetic connective tissue disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, and this is, it basically results in faulty collagen throughout her body, making it a multi-systemic uh, condition. Collagen is, as Dean explained to me uh, very, very thoroughly, it is found throughout one's body, basically organs, skins, 
joints, blood vessels, etc., etc. And it literally is the glue that holds your body together. So this means the symptoms of EDS can be very far-reaching, affecting most parts of the body, um, especially the neck area here. Um, but thanks to people's enormous uh, generosity earlier uh, this year, Mags was able to travel over to the US, USA um, to see two world specialists in uh, Ilres Danlos Syndrome, EDS. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it right, but EDS, I, I'll give it a shot. Um, and unfortunately, the news um, that Mags received was worse than uh, worse than anyone expected due to uh, due to the instability in her neck and her back. Mags is severely severely compressing her spinal cord and brainstem, which, as you can imagine, is extremely dangerous. So um, she's been told that she requires urgent life-saving surgeries, at least two and possibly even three. So. If you want to read more about Mag's story, you can go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Mag's EDS Surgery Fund. That's www.gofundme.com forward slash Mag's EDS Surgery Fund. And basically, front, huh? Yeah, I like that. So, white collar wrestling for Mag's. Where? Well, Friday the 8th of December 2017, this coming Friday, go to Eventbrite for tickets. I've just heard that we are at 71% sold, so get on it quick. You can also, on the Eventbrite page, you can make donations, which we highly, highly implore you to do. Um, it is going to a great cause. There's going to be raffles there. There's going to be absolutely everything there. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing um, show. Um, and that's Friday the 8th of December at the Hangar in St. Andrew's Lane, Dublin. So it's right in the heart of uh, Temple Bar, right in the heart of the city where everything is happening. There's going to be beers there. There's going to be everything, everything. Um, so doors are between 6 p.m. and 6.15 p.m. But bell time should be around uh, 7 p.m. 15 euro a ticket. That is a steal with all the funds going to Mag, so it's an absolute steal. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through the card and get you all hyped up for this unbelievably fantastic show that is not to be missed. So on to the card of the White Collar Wrestling for Mags. Um, we start off with Ian Hellboy Holland versus Be Cool. Ian Hellboy Holland is fighting out of Compound Martial Arts in Dublin with an undefeated record of 0-0 zero zero in professional wrestling. In the way of continuing this middleweight Mauler's flawless record is the biggest lad going, the nastiest man on the Irish wrestling scene and the master of the brain buster, the incomparable B. Cool. See what happens when the pride of Compound fight team clashes with the ultimate body guy. I'm really looking forward to that match. B. Cool is awesome. And a debut here for Ian Hellboy Holland with a 0-0 record. This should be fun to watch. Um, the first match that was actually announced uh, on you know, on the uh, White Collar Wrestling for Mags was actually LJ Cleary versus Scotty Davis. And what a match too. This is something that I'm probably... Personally, I'm looking forward to seeing this um, as much. I'm looking forward to seeing them all, so I can't really put it up on a pedestal compared to everything else, but... I'm really looking forward to see this. I've actually, you know, for my sins, still not seen these guys live. Um, I've, I've, I've 
I've obviously been around them probably when they were younger and um, I would have uh, I've definitely seen their their videos I've seen their stuff online and I'm a big big fan of both guys so I cannot wait to see that um, also also a six-man scramble that's been finally announced Clayton Long versus Michael May versus Dmitry Krakovich versus Connor Andrews versus Nathan Martin and versus a very mysterious opponent um, so these are the final participants, so it's going to be a mystery, mystery opponent uh, during the six-man scramble at the show. Um, Nathan Martin, let's talk about him, prior to, to, to 28th of May 2017, nobody knew who Martin was. Uh, he was quietly learning his trade in Fight Factory Pro Wrestling's training facility, and the young man from Dublin was yet to have a debut match. But on May the 28th, Nathan Martin would have what was possibly the most impressive debut in Irish wrestling history when he took the Kings of the North to the absolute limit at the very first OTT contender show. Well, I don't know. Since then, he's gone from strength to strength, capturing the tag team gold up in Pro Wrestling Ulster, PWU, um, debuting in the Tivoli Theatre. Uh, making a fan of virtually everyone who has seen him wrestle with his high-octane, emotionally-charged style of combat. Um, PWU, shout-up to those guys up there. The stuff they're doing is unbelievable. And uh, in the new year, I'm actually going to do a piece on just the, the Northern Ireland uh, guys as well because I've wrestled up there myself. I've seen it grow from strength to strength. A lot of great friends up there. Love absolutely everybody up there. So we're going to do a, a future show for you guys and hopefully get uh, get some guys on the show as well. Um Back to Nathan, it's been an absolutely crazy six months since Nathan Martin first got people talking about him. And now he enters the chaotic six-man scramble with at least three other men who will be desperate to steal the spotlight from him and take his place in the hearts and minds of the Irish wrestling public. You have to believe Clayton Long, Conor Andrews and Dmitry Krakovich will have painted a giant target on Nathan's back leading into this contest. Which, why wouldn't you? If he's the, if he's the top guy and the one that everyone's talking about, of course you're going to try and get rid of him first. Makes all the sense in the world. But will this phase the young breakout star? Only time will tell, and as I said earlier, completing the six-man uh, six show will be a mystery opponent. While this man is choosing to remain anonymous until December the 8th, he has said that his presence in the hangar is sure to cause a storm. So there you go. Um, so the rules of this match will be six men, no countouts, no tags, one fall to a finish, and one massive chance to make a name. And then, of course, we go on to the next match, which is Phil Boyd versus Martin Steers. This will be another Joes versus Pros match where Martin Steers will be making his debut. will take place in the hangar again on December the 8th. Get your ticket, €15 Euro right now on Eventbrite. I'll say it again, €15 Euro right now on Eventbrite, 71% sold, so get your ass on there. Um, and this is going to be another extremely talented white collar wrestler. Again, Martin Steers will have the chance to test himself against one of the best Ireland has ever produced. Phil Latrill Boyd, who's been on this show and I've known the man for many years and I consider him a great friend, the head coach and fearless leader of the Fight Factory, a former Irish heavyweight champion, current All-Ulster champion, current Belgian heavyweight champion, a man who has played his trade in rings all the way from Tokyo to Tennessee, a man who can beat anyone in the world on his best day, a man with the most devastating small package in the game. 
but standing opposite Phil and his small package will be Martin Steers. While not the most physically imposing of young men to walk through the curtain, one thing is for certain, Martin Steers has heaps of talent, a ton of heart and is absolutely certifiably mental. When asked about the chance to face the veteran and walking encyclopedia of wrestling, the young Ballymun native had this to say. It's like I always say, I'm like a grenade. You pull the pin and all of a sudden your house is gone. When questioned further on this, he went on to say, You know me, pal, I'm a nice enough guy until I get a bit of sugar into me. And finally, closing with his plans for after the show. After I go dig for dig and wreck that elf fella, I'm going to go back to me nanny's gaff with a chicken fillet roll and practice shadow boxing. Wow. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that one, and I really like the sound of this kid. Um, the next one, it kind of speaks for itself, and I'm going to play you something here. No, that's supposed to be covered in swag, and I still want to. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I was too busy shaking my moneymaker. My name is Jay Money, the swag superstar. Dollar Bill Clinton, the automated tell-it-like-it-is machine. The money maker ass shaker with the billion dollar booty. And on December 8th, I'm going to be cashing checks and breaking necks at the hangar Andrews Lane Dublin. Now, word on the street is that my opponent is a man by the name of Justin Shape. Well, Justy, you might have 15 years experience. You might have the mighty fish hook. You might have 50 pounds on me, 30 of which you don't even want. But I got bad news for you, Justy. Money can't buy you love, but it can sure kick your ass. Zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Get the money shot. Oh, won't go for you. What a promo and what a video. You gotta go on to Foy Factory Pro Wrestling and check that out. That was Jay Money, and he is gonna be wrestling just in shape. And Justy may be the face, hashtag face of Irish wrestling, but he's never had his face on his own currency. It's the master of the fish hook versus the CEO of Swag, the innovator of the five-figure frog splash, Jay Money, live in the hangar on December 8th. The kid already looks like money, and I cannot fucking wait to see this guy. And also, I do got to mention that that match is proudly sponsored by John Morrissey Photography and Design. Um... Which leads me on to, uh, there's also going to be a Raffle Mania, and the details of that are also going to be on um, Foy Factory Pro Wrestling as well, so keep an eye out for that. There is going to be a Raffle Mania, but I'm not going to give anything away on that. Second last match of the night is the Gals, is the unbelievable Gals of Irish Wrestling. In a femme fatale four-way, we're going to have Katie Harvey versus Debbie Keitel versus Valkyrie versus Raven Creed. What would a night of grappling and cans be without action from the best women in the world of wrestling? And we have a t potential show stealer here as four of the top female athletes in Ireland today will also clash in the hangar on December 8th where you can find your tickets on Eventbrite for only €15. Euro. 71% of them are gone. Get to Eventbrite and get your tickets €15. Euro. Um, Katie Harvey, the absolute queen of Irish wrestling, the best in the world, makes her return to the ring after a hiatus to heal nagging injuries and having won titles and main event the shows all over Europe. The queen will be looking to walk into the hangar on December the 8th, reclaim her throne and assert her dominance at the top of the Irish wrestling scene again. Um, 
Debbie Keitel is potentially the breakout Irish star of 2017. She's looking to end her first debut year with a win in her biggest match to date. Uh, she's a 90 kid, 90s kid and she manages to pull out the win. Uh, what a huge upset that would be. Also, Lady Valkyrie, possibly Ireland's best kept secret up till now, will hope to use this match as an opportunity to step out of the shadows and onto the big stage with her penchant for the dramatic. The, formers, the former Andrews Lane Theatre could be the perfect setting for the young flyer to spread her wings and ascend to the next level. Um, this is going to be an unbelievable. Also, Raven Creed, a relative newcomer to the Dublin wrestling scene, has a chance to make an immediate impact by picking up a victory here. The unhinged young brawler is definitely capable of causing an upset. And having become the inaugural Celtic Championship Wrestling Women's Champion in a similar four-way dance with a black belt in Taekwondo and a personality as dark as a bag of coal, the Cork native, most people from Cork are like that, could use this match to make herself famous, or more likely infamous. What will happen when four of the premier female athletes clash on December the 8th? Well, go to Eventbrite for tickets for €15 Euro and find out. Which leads me on to our main event for the Irish Junior Heavyweight Championship. It is Jordan Devlin versus Sammy D, two of the best in the world. And not, not much needs to be said really about this as our main event because, simply put, it's two of the most talented young men to ever be produced by Fight Factory Pro Wrestling and the Irish scene in general will clash for the Irish Junior Heavyweight title. Sammy D was the first ever champion. He's going to be looking to uh, looking to pick it up again. Jordan Devlin on the run of his career with standout performances from WWE Progress. WWE UK, should I say. Progress Wrestling, Fight Club Pro and Over the Top Wrestling will enter the hangar as a champion on December the 8th. And standing in his way of leaving with his championship will be Sammy D. An underdog surely not to be underestimated, however, especially when he's not opposed to being underhanded. Given how well these two know each other, and they know each other very well, um, as they were training partners as well, could Sammy D be the one to end Devlin's unbelievable run of 2017 and walk out as a two-time Irish Junior Heavyweight Champion? Well... Find out on December the 8th. Go to Eventbrite to get your tickets. That is your card for the night. €15. Euro. We've got raffles. We've got beers and everything in between. And don't forget to go and make a donation. I, for one, cannot wait. So now it is time for the main event of the show. And it's my pleasure to welcome B. Brian Blair. Brian formed one of the top, top teams in the WWF during the mid-80s with Jim Brunzel as the Killer Bees. He now serves as the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, a non-profit fraternal organization compromised about retired and active professional wrestlers. Uh, Brian broke into the business in 1977 in Florida where he was trained by former world junior heavyweight champion Hiro Matsuda and Brian has wrestled in more than 5,000 matches including appearances at Wrestlemania's 2, 3 and 4 and it is my pleasure to welcome the Killer B himself, Mr. B. Brian Blair. Oh, it's so good to be here Ian, let me tell you it's good to be sitting in the hive and I feel really alive today because it is Thursday and I love Thursdays Ian, you know Hell yeah. I sit back and I think about all the places I've been to 
around this world, and I, I can't help but thinking about, you know, going from Maine to Spain, I even been deep down in the Ukraine, I, you know, I've spread pollen from New York to Holland, I've been from ocean to ocean to coast to coast, north, south, east, and west, but don't ask me who's the best, not until I get to Ireland and hook up with you, Ian Kelly, to find out really who's the best. Okay, I like it, I like it. Um, well, I better get in training, so if you're coming to Ireland, to shoot pollen my way, so um, i got to get back in the gym, B, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dynamo's Dozen, that's a great name for a show, I love it. So uh, shoot me any question you want, because I feel like answering it. Sure, well, I'll tell you what, let's get straight into it. You were in the Pontiac Silverdome, and the reason we bring that up is because it's actually getting knocked down at the moment. Back in, what was it, 1988, 87, 88? WrestleMania 3, no, wait there, so it was 87, yeah? It was 1986. 86, there we go, I was only two, so no wonder my memory isn't that great. Um, <laughs> but tell me what that felt like, you know, in front of 90,000 fans. That must have been an absolutely incredible experience. Wow, it was just like a swarm of people. I mean, it was uh, it was so off the chart, so amazing to go out and be wheeled out in a modified golf cart in a pair of modified underwear in front of 90 plus thousand people and staring up at the top and noticing that you couldn't even tell what color hair they had. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And I, w I actually went up to the top of the building before the show started um, and looked down and I thought to myself, why would somebody want to sit here? way up here and watch the matches when they could do it at home. Yeah. But then once you felt the adrenaline and the aura in that arena, it was just something that I can't even explain. It was off the charts amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Sure, I can only imagine. And I mean, like I said at the top of the show, you appeared at WrestleMania 2, 3, and 4, so you were one of the people that helped get the get the ball rolling. What was your favorite what was your favorite mania personally? Um personally it was uh, uh, WrestleMania 3 without a doubt. Yeah. Um yeah. had a lot of I had a lot of uh, we had a lot of great uh, we had big, big events in Canada which was like a WrestleMania almost, we had over 60,000 people there. That was a lot of fun in yeah. Canada. Um, that was a, a great event as well. But uh, so many of the events, you know, we we actually pioneered uh, from the Royal Rumble um, 30 years ago to um, a Survivor Series, the first Survivor Series, first Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, it, it was great. You know, we did the first overseas tour to Australia. Europe and wow, been over. Like I said at the beginning, you know, ocean, ocean, coast to coast, over fifty countries, but not yet to Ireland, which is definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, there is still time. Don't you worry. I'll show you the sights over here and show you some of the best wrestlers Ireland has to offer. And um, yeah, I know there's some good talent that comes from Ireland. That's yeah, for sure. From uh, Bailey and yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane uh, Well, you know them all. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, they're all great people. Um, so, 
in terms of, uh, I want to get this out there because I know um, that it's something that you're quite passionate about. And like I mentioned, you are the president of the prestigious Cauliflower Alley Club. However, a lot of people in Europe and Ireland may not know um, a whole lot about what you guys do. So why don't you why don't you give me the four one one on on uh, on the Cauliflower Alley Club? Absolutely. You know, the Cauliflower Alley Club is is a five hundred one c three organization, nonprofit organization dedicated to assisting people that made a living in the wrestling industry yeah. that have fallen on difficult financial times. And that usually happens either from people getting a disease, you know, cancer, diabetes, um, sure. uh, whatever. Um, you know, the laws in the states, you know, they could take away everything but your home as long as your taxes are paid. Yeah. So, unfortunately, guys have fallen into this category or been divorced or divorced several times um, and made bad business decisions. They might have met Bernie Madoff, yeah. uh, famous swindler. Uh, but uh, uh, that's one of our, uh, one of uh, USA's... Uh, most uh, unpopular characters, if you will. Sure, yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, we uh, we have a group of wonderful members. I mean, we only allow nice people in the Cauliflower Cali Alley Club. We've actually thrown a few people out for not being uh, cordial or for being disrespectful because we want everything to be harmony and fun. We have, you know, some of the top talent in the entire world that we honor. And... Um, so many of the top guys, uh, you know, not just the top guys, the guys that made wrestling great. Uh, it takes, you know, a lot of people. I, I heard this word one time called enhancement talent, and it made me sick to yeah. my stomach when I heard that. Yeah. Because the very first match on the card is probably the most important match on the card. Sure. Unless if you just had the main event, you wouldn't draw flies. Absolutely. If people came out for one match, they wouldn't pay that kind of money. You'd be broke in no time. So everybody on the card is important. Every wrestler that's that's wrestled in some capacity yeah. uh, is important because they have to build up that star to become a star. But getting back to the Cauliflower Alley Club, um, anybody can join the Cauliflower Alley Club. Um, we have currently over a thousand active members. Yeah. Uh, probably about. 300, uh, 350 people from the wrestling industry and the rest are just good fans that are have become friends and family uh, because the CAC is like a big fraternal family. It's, it's amazing and we need more members from Ireland. It's only like 35 bucks a year to join from Ireland, I believe, and uh, you get four copies of um, the newsletter that's called The Ear. It's actually, the logo is... Um, Mike Mazurki, our founder, who founded the Cauliflower Alley Club 53 years ago, there's Whoa. a picture of his cauliflower ear, and we've used that as its logo from the our logo from Cauliflower Alley Club. So you just have to go to caulifloweralleyclub.org, yeah. and um, you can find out everything about what's happening. We have a reunion coming up um, um, uh, uh, April 30th through May 2nd, but there's lots of stuff happening before then. And um, kind of WrestleMania uh, season, yeah. Yeah, we're close to um, the Grand Canyon in Vegas, yeah. uh, close to uh, the Hoover Dam. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff to do there, so you can really make a vacation of it. But just inside, uh, Bob, Bob Orton Jr. goes he's going crazy right now because two years in a row, we have a cribbage tournament. I don't even know how to play cribbage. <laughs> but uh, Andre...
Andre used to play in the dressing room all the time. I mean, that was his favorite thing to have a bottle of Campari or uh, several Cromwell or whatever, <laughs> and, and drink and uh, play cribbage. Sure. So uh, we have that cribbage tournament. Orton has come in second the last two years, and Orton Jr. and he swears he's going to win this year. So we'll see. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and tell me, give me a list of some of the. Uh, I mean, a lot of people probably know already about Diamond Dallas Page, Jake the Snake Roberts. And, you know that was a huge thing on the on the the Jake Roberts documentary. Um, it was a really really emotional thing, and you could see how much it meant to Dallas as well. Um, it, it, it's a very very prestigious thing. So give me some of the names of uh, people that have been inducted over the years. Oh my gosh, it's like. Uh it's like the who's who I'd have to go to our website and start yeah. naming them off. I, what I'd rather do is tell you some that are coming up. Sure. Uh, yeah. Even better. Yeah. So, uh, for the Iron Mike award is going to be Baron Von Raschke. Okay. And, uh, the tag team award is going to go to Harlem heat. Oh, nice. The, uh, the referee award will go to a guy named Mickey James, a great referee. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, him. Yeah. Uh, women's wrestling, Santana Garrett and uh, Princess Victoria. So um, you know we try to mix up and keep the uh, keep it kind of balanced between uh, some younger talent that is still working and uh, some of the guys that uh, paved the road sure. and uh, really made it great. Uh, we have Steve Kern as getting the Trainers Award, who has trained more people than anybody uh, in the business, uh, more more superstars than anybody in the business. And um, we have what's called the Rising Star Award. Uh, Kurt Angle won this award when we called it the Future Legends Award, but it's hard to determine a, a future legend. It's easier to determine a rising star. Yeah. But uh, Chris Cross is uh, going to be there for that award. And we also have uh, uh, Tony Storm, who's a tremendous wrestler. Um, We've got uh, we've got some other people that I can't announce yet because uh, unless the Cauliflower Alley Club's announced them, uh, we have a policy that we uh, we don't announce them just out of respect to my peers. Yeah, uh, but that's a heck of a card already. And I'll tell you, the guy that's winning the Lucas Award is a household name. Oh, awesome! So. Awesome. Um, we've got to get into some, uh, I guess, some funny stories because I, I spoke with you yesterday. We we probably kept contact for a couple of weeks now, and some of the, I guess, some of the stories you told me. I guess it would be it would only be fair to share with uh, with some of the listeners. But we gotta we gotta start out with one because I made you uh, I made you laugh last night when I said, uh, Brian Blair, I break your fucking back and make you humble. <laughs> Shiki baby. He got mad at me for stretching him in uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Nikolai <laughs> just uh, uh, ribbed him so bad that uh, I guess it just uh, bothered him so much that uh, <laughs> he couldn't forget about it, you know, because he was always talking about nobody could uh, stretch the Sheik. Yeah. And, uh, he wouldn't tap out for anybody. So. <laughs> it, was, it was quite the humor, I thought, and it was all in fun, but he took it so serious that uh, I just looked uh, a couple of days ago, and there's more stuff on that from cartoons, yeah. rap songs, like all kinds of stuff. It's, it's, it's so a shame fun. that the guy, I, I wish he was younger so I could wrestle him, you know what I mean? Uh, actually wrestle him right now, I would, I would love to do that. I'd like to slap him as hard as he slapped me at that banquet. Yeah, so you go like a go go shoot on it. I'd like to see that. 
<laughs> yeah, me too, me too, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a crazy guy, you know. He'll, uh, he used to go to Paul Wondor's bowling alley in Atlanta and uh, lay out a, a, a couple towels and uh, bring a, a cooler full of Heineken and uh, his clubs and start exercising. You know, the patrons were coming into his bowling alley. He'd be out because he liked, he said he liked the heat from the, the uh, black uh, asphalt brought out and he knew that he couldn't be Paul wouldn't have him arrested for trespassing <laughs> <laughs> eventually eventually Paul had to boot him out for something he did or said to a couple of his customers so anyway uh, I remember the time on the first trip to Australia we were uh, coming through the uh, John F. Kennedy getting ready to head to uh, to uh, Brisbane I believe it was we flew into first um, and, uh, he, uh, had a bag of popcorn Yeah. and he was hanging with Sheiky baby, JYD was hanging with, uh, with, uh, Sheik. And, um, we get on the plane and, uh, of course security was a lot more laxed back then prior to 9-11. Of course. And, uh, we get on the airplane and, uh, we're on, you know, one of the big planes that was a 747 back then. Yeah. And, um. Uh, I was sitting, um, there's four seats to the right of me against the window. She cut the window seat. Then it was uh, myself and JYD was between uh, Jimmy and I. And it was business class, not first class, but business class. And uh, so we had a lot, you know, good room and nice nice place for, you know, to take a flight and go to sleep. So Lindsay and I close our eyes and all of a sudden I smell this funny smell and I think something's burning and I look and JYD's pulling these uh, little white rocks out of the bottom of the popcorn he smuggled crack cocaine no way yes and so they were smoking crack on the airplane (laughs) I couldn't believe that man I just could not believe that Brunson was like oh gosh you know Brunson gets uh, he's a great guy I love him Uh, we still uh, we're booked together every month somewhere but um he uh, um, was very upset about that. Yeah, yeah, because Jim Jim Brunzel, uh, you were explaining to me, is a super super thick guy. Like even even now. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys, he's ten were, years younger than he's ten years older than me, and uh, probably looks younger than me. The guy's amazing. I mean, he's just a talent of youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumping Jim Brunzel, what a what a worker. You both guys were great workers. I mean. Um, I suppose we'll get back to some kind of funny road stories and stuff in a while, but like some of the guys you wrestled with, I mean, for me personally, my two favorite tag teams of all time were always like the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. But the era of tag team wrestling back when you wrestled, I mean, you were one of the top tag teams as well. You got to wrestle both those tag teams. I mean, give me give me an idea of uh, of, of those matches and how good they were and what it was like to work those those four guys. Well, it was it was awesome to work with uh, with those four guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, they were probably both teams were two of our favorite teams to work with, especially the Hart Foundation, because uh, you know, face it, uh, Dynamite and Davey were baby faces in their own right. Yeah, um, sure. They would, a lot of, you know, even when they tried to be heel, heels, a lot of times they just couldn't do it. They would, people just liked them too much, <laughs> yeah. and uh, whereas. Uh, uh, Brett was a master at getting heat, and Jim yeah. was really good at getting heat as well. Yeah. And, um, Jim, uh, uh, 
the psychology that Brett has is very similar to the psychology that I learned in, in Florida. Um, yeah. He learned uh, the same in Calgary. So we always put together good matches, had great chemistry. As a matter of fact, in his book, uh, he said that the best tag team match he had was ever had was against the Killer Bees in yeah. Los Angeles, California, during a Saturday night main event um, taping, which happened to be the highest-rated segment of the, of the time ever in that hour, in that particular hour that Saturday Night Live is usually in. Sure, and that's um, that, that, that'll be on the WWE Network for people to find, I'm sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's on the WWE Network, and uh, you know that's a great deal for 10 bucks a month. Or I don't know what it is there. Hell yeah, it is. 10 euro, 10, 10 well, 12, 12 euro, not much of a difference, to be fair. No. Yeah, um, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I got. And, uh, I've actually got my network open right now, and I'm 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 uh, I'm going through some of the uh, just while we're talking to see some of the some of the amazing matches that you guys actually had. I mean, Saturday Night Main Event was was the was the show. You know, I guess that was the show. Yeah. I was going to tell you when you're when you're looking through there sometime, check out the match with uh, Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch, who I loved working with as well. Um, uh, the Killer Bees against uh, Adonis and Murdoch. Um, I thought that was a good match um, that people would really enjoy seeing um, real old school wrestling. I mean, when I say old school, you know, the last school other than Vince's product today, not old school as in George Hackenschmidt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Buddy Rogers. But, uh, but good, good, solid wrestling and good psychology because you know you can't go to uh, Dublin, Ireland or Detroit, Michigan and expect the same crowd and the same crowd reaction they're going to react differently to different different people it's different people everywhere you go to and so that cookie cutter one match take it everywhere it, it just to me doesn't work nearly as well as to when you can actually work to the crowd and and feel their emotions. Sure, sure. I mean, I got I got a list of actual things, and I could start from the start. There's actually a lot here. So we go to um, a lot of the finish of the demolition versus the Killer Bees. That was a match that's on there. Um, singles match with you and Brutus Beefcake. Um, then we've got uh, B. Brian Blair and Spike Huber against the Moon Dogs. Um, what else have we got right here? Yeah, uh, that that one is there. Um, Jim Neidhart versus B. Brian Blair is there as well in singles action. Um, and there we got the 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 Heart Foundation versus the Killer Bees. I'm actually going to watch that right after we talk, just because you put it fresh in my mind. Yeah, that's great. And you know, I, I actually enjoyed my singles career more than my tag team career because I I just loved singles wrestling and uh, you know being in Florida, which was the hottest territory in the country for so long, and having been in the Florida heavyweight. Uh, champion two times and the Southern Heavyweight Champion here in Florida um, was was a big deal for me. Um, and, um, you know, I really loved the territories, you know, going into Mid-South. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, continue. Go ahead. Sorry. So there's, there's, there's a lot of great ribs, uh, um, yeah. and a, a lot of uh, fun stories. Um, and fortunately, I was in a was was able to work in you know the, the late seventies, the eighties, the nineties, two thousand. Uh, you know, I just worked three months ago um, at the uh, uh, 
Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Iowa. Yeah. With packed up with uh, Wes Briscoe. Yeah, you're still in but shape. Also, uh, you're still in shape, dude. How old yeah. are you now? Yeah, fifty-eight years old now. Yeah, dude, you're you're in fucking really really good shape. I gotta say. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I reach down and feel my abs right now. It feels good, you know. I, it, it takes a lot harder. It takes a lot more work, Ian, when you get to be fifty. <laughs> you know, you just got to push it a lot harder, and you have to change your routine, go down to lighter weights and more reps, and um, and it's all about you know the diet um, as well, and you know just a healthy lifestyle. It's a it, it feels good to feel good. Of course, of course, and I suppose. You did explain some some ribs, I guess. What would you rather me shoot some names out, or would you rather just tell some of your own ribs? Uh, I don't. You know, we can go. Uh, I, it's a sure audience. Um, <laughs> you've heard a few of them. If if you like what you heard, I can tell your audience. Sure. Yep. Yeah, go ahead, my friend. Well, um, we had a wrestler named Outback Jack. Yep. And uh, he was a cocky guy, uh, but I, yeah, I always liked. Uh, Outback Jack. He lives in Florida now, as a matter of fact. He's lost a leg from diabetes. Um, but he uh, uh, was always uh, bragging uh, about he, how good he could do every, everything. And one of the things that he liked to brag about was how nobody could outdrink him. <laughs> so he shouldn't have said that to Mr. Fuji and the Bulldogs. <laughs> what pursued after that was pretty hilarious. And uh, Actually, it could have killed the guy, but it started out by Outback used to always, he had a hat, you know, he had his whole gimmick he wore, you know, the Australian stuff with the big, carried the big knife and uh, had a little alligator on the back of this uh, leather slip-on jacket that had a small croc on it, not an alligator. And uh, he had a, uh, a hat with uh, some kind of teeth in it. And, um, and anyway, he would always tip his hat and say good night, good night, or good night, boys, or you know, he'd always good day, mates. Um, after every every, you could expect it every single match. Yeah, he'd take a long shower. He'd be one of the last good day, mates. <laughs> when he went to say good day, mates, he started to pull his hat off, and he's like, can't figure out why his hat's not coming off, and. I guess he figured he was had, and his face was all red and everything. Yeah, and he just left. He just left his hat on like nothing happened. <laughs> and uh, so the next day, he, he's got a whole ring around the side, of, around his whole head where the hair had been pulled out. Oh he, uh, god! <laughs> so uh, because Tom yeah, it, it, Dynamite put it, the put it, the glue. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that night, that very same night, we all met in the bar in uh, San Francisco at the Holiday Inn. And uh, so him and Fuji are getting ready for the drinking contest, and the uh, Bulldogs are going to be the referees. So, you know, there's all kinds of people in the bar watching this. Uh, uh, Patera, uh, Ken Patera, um, Jimmy Brunzel was there. Um, uh, just a whole, a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and uh, every time, uh, you know, they, they did their first compie their first toast and chugged the first beer down and um, Mr. Fu I think Outback beat him on the chug thing so he was feeling his oats then and the, the, the beer kept coming you know and uh, then the diversion program came that the uh, Bulldogs are so famous for so they divert um, Outback for a second and Davey would drop a halcyon which is a strong sleeping pill inside of uh, 
Outback's uh, beer. And he nailed them four times with, uh, with those halcyons and about, you know, we're waiting because at least a half hour went by and they're still drinking beers. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was just like a bird got shot or something. He just fell right off the back of his chair, back first off the bar stool, right onto the hard concrete floor that's just covered by carpet. And, uh, you know, Brunzi was really scared. Oh, my God, they killed him or whatever. But, uh, you know, he was obviously, he was alive, and uh, he was just toasted. And he goes, oh, man, you, you broke Scott me. Or, you know, he's mumbling something to the Bulldogs, and it's Mr. Fuji, and they're rubbing it in now. Well, oh, you can't drink. I thought you could out drink me. And, oh, gosh, I know how embarrassed he must have been. But the worst, the worst thing was, is, you know, we carried him back to his room, the Bulldogs and Brunzi and I. And uh, he's uh, he's lay, he's laying on the floor. Yeah. And that guy, heavy guy, just laying on the floor, and he's trying to sit up. And he, as he does, the bulldogs at the same time they both start to urinate on him, <laughs> right in his face. I mean, they're peeing right in his face, and the guy just takes the pan and wipes the pee off and says, "You know, I've been peed on by better books than you guys." Uh, it was. Brunzi was going crazy at that time. It was time to uh, put him to sleep and get out of there and make sure the bulldogs came with, so they couldn't hurt him anymore. Yeah. So we went back. We went back to the bar, and everybody's laughing and talking about the story. It's you know, I can't believe this has happened. And so some of us go to the uh, to the restaurant there at the Holiday Inn and got a lot of people. In so out of nowhere, this is probably an hour later. Outback's a tough son of a gun. He really is because he comes into the restaurant. But the problem was the only thing he had on was his cowboy boots and his hat. <laughs> yeah, nothing else on whatsoever. I oh. mean, unbelievable. He looked over at us. I remember that. He looked at us. Then he looked at this palm tree and he walks over to the palm tree and he starts peeing in the palm tree. And there's all the people in the restaurant are even laughing or gasping or. Uh, the people are going crazy that own the restaurant or that run the restaurant. And he goes and sits at the bar, plops himself at the uh, where the counter where you have uh, if you want to sit at the counter, and he, and he sits down there, stock naked, and all of a sudden the police come. As, uh, as you would expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like six cops, and there was a couple ladies, um, and you know the cops were laughing. They thought, what the heck happened? You know, we kind of explained to uh, the cops that uh, that he had gotten mickeyed and uh, he didn't really know where he was at. Yeah. Da, da, da. So the, the police were cool about it. They took him back to his room. But that was a long, tough, tough day for Outback Jack. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I suppose speaking, staying on um, staying on the Bulldogs, um, I, I'm actually friends with, um, with, with Dynamite Kid's brother and Mark, um, you may have remembered Mark from back in the day as well, um, kind of going over and yeah. seeing the shows, but uh, absolute gentleman, um, but he, he really goes out of his way to kind of keep the, keep the Dynamite Kid name, um, you know, alive in people's memories, and I mean, for, for, for younger kids, I guess, getting into the wrestling business now, like, it's so important to remember old guys like Dynamite Kid because he really was one of a kind, both kind of inside and outside of the ring, I guess. And and you would have been there, you know, during the peak years of ribs and fights, but also probably some of the best wrestling matches as well. Oh, 
absolutely. Dynamite is, uh, I, I love Tommy, and uh, if, if there's any way to tell him hello, uh, please do so. Tommy Billington and I, were, we used to go to Japan, and uh, we were on at least four trips together in Japan. Um, and he, he could uh, work step for step with any Jap they put him with, any Japanese guy they put him with. And um, he... Uh, well, I'll make sure I'll make sure this podcast gets to him anyway, because I know Mark likes to bring in stuff and show him. So, um, you can say hello yourself, and you'll he hear it. A, he was a very tough guy too. I mean, really tough guy. He would have beat the hell out of Jack Rujo or Raymond Rujo, or probably both of them in a fair fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was there. They sucker punched him with a roll of quarters. I mean, just completely sucker punched him. Yeah, um, and uh, I believe he even had uh, food in his hand. Yeah. So he was he was helpless. He was helpless. Yeah. And uh, but he wouldn't go down. No. It was a terrible thing. No, they didn't. Knock, they didn't even knock him out. Hit him with everything they had. They knocked his teeth out. Yeah. But uh, and so that shows you just how tough a guy that uh, dynamite was. And you know the guy uh, the guy was amazing um, for you know always having to work so much harder for because uh, that he wasn't the biggest guy in the world. But uh, um, how tall was he? Legit? Many, yeah, many times he looked like this, Mister America. Yeah. Uh, as far as his body, and he could just move like a cat. He had tremendous balance. Uh, he could he could do any move that uh, uh, anybody could throw at him. Uh, he could he could complement the move. He was a just a you know a perfect worker. How tall? How tall? Legitimately was was uh, was Tom and his his proper weight what do you reckon he was um probably 210 that's a good size and about 5'8 maybe yeah that's a big weight for a and guy chiseled. that height yeah and, and oh yeah chiseled I'm talking about no fat mm. 210 pounds of muscle on a 5 foot 8 frame that's that's yeah. a big guy that is a big guy um and then I suppose some of the other rib stories you, you got to tell me. I know you told me some last night. I mean, you got to have a great Andre story. Surely Andre was, was you know, he's such a, a legend. I have lots of Andre stories. He was one of my favorite guys. Uh, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> this is my favorite Andre story. I, I have a lot of them, but I'm, I'm green, and I get to uh, the uh, Mid-South Territory, and um, uh, Bill Watts wants me to... Uh, make sure that I, I drive with Dusty and Andre because I knew him from Florida. So this coming to Watts' territory was my third territory. Yeah. And uh, so I had only a couple of years in the business and I'm real, really excited about the fact that uh, I'm going to be driving around with Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes, two great guys, two of the biggest stars in the, in the wrestling industry. Sure. So uh, we knew that we made it about 12 o'clock. I had a 72 blue link powder blue Lincoln Continental that I had since I was in high school. And uh, it was a great car. But, uh, you know, it was big, so it was comfortable for everybody. And um, <laughs> it's about noon in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and we got to go 220 miles north to Greenville. Yeah. So Dusty says, he, call, <laughs> he always called me Beeper. It's a long story. So he goes, hey, Beeper. He said, listen, man. He said, uh we got a drink tonight, and, uh, uh, you know, the giant, he drinks a little bit more than I do, so just get me a case of Lone Scar, 
and uh, get the giant a case of Budweiser and get him <laughs> get him two bottles of Crown Royal, not the middle ones, get the big ones. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? I said, I said, yes, sir, Dream, yes, sir. And he said, you're driving so you could have a six-pack. And I said, okay, <laughs> thank you, Dream. I appreciate that. I'm just glad to be here, sir. And he hands me $200 and $300 bills. And he says, uh, he says, hey, make sure you get a small cooler, too, because it's going to be cold, and I, the dream that I like to get cold, and I'm just going to piss in the cooler. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, okay, Jim, if he's going to ride in the back seat, be the bartender, while Andre sits in the front seat, and I drive and listen to their stories. Yeah. So... I'm kind of freaking out. I got to go get the stuff and everything. Uh, the ice, got the beer on ice. Everything's good, except my heater's broken. And I'm <laughs> freaking out because it was about 40 degrees at noon, but it was the sun was shining, and so there was no wind blowing. And I could picture it like it was yesterday. Andre came to the car at 2 o'clock with like a Wyavea. It's called a Wyavea. It's a, like a Spanish-style shirt, a white uh, buttoned-up shirt and uh, a T-shirt. That's all he has, and Dusty's got uh, just a long sleeve West Texas State um, uh, T-shirt on as well, and his cowboy hat, cowboy boots. You know, he always tucked his boots inside of his pants. That's the way Dusty wrote. So uh, <laughs> we, we take off to Greenville, and we're, we're talking, and it's getting colder and colder, and I'm waiting for him to tell me to turn the heater on, but shoot, Andre had already drinking a, a bottle of Crown Royal, and... Um, probably 10 beers uh, and we're not even at the building yet so everybody's laughing and we get to the building and um we hop out of the car and dusty goes hey beep listen man we're gonna be on last so make sure that car that heater's on and um well be ready to go as soon as we're done because we're gonna roll i need to get back i said okay dusty i'll do that and he uh, went in and I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do, what am I going to do, I'm nervous about this, had my match, went back out to the car, played with a couple of things, tried to get my heater working, it wouldn't work, but the defroster worked. So anyway, it's it's freezing outside now, there's snow, the, the ground is covered with snow, um, it wasn't, it was so cold it wasn't snowing anymore, but it was just packed with snow in Greenville, Mississippi. So uh, they come back to the car. I'm all ready for them. Got the trunk open. They throw their stuff in the trunk, hop in. They're laughing about whatever. And we take off. We're driving down the road. And all of a sudden, uh, I, you know, Dusty goes, damn, people, it's cold in here, man. Turn that heat on. And I said, okay, Drew. And so I turned the frost around. I knew I didn't have a heater. And just <laughs> at least, you know, just praying something, some kind of warmth came out or so at least the windows would be clear. And, and Andre kept laughing. Whoa, 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 whoa. He just that big, deep laugh. He was constantly laughing, just laughing and drinking and having a good time. And everybody's peeing in the cooler. And uh, they had a McDonald's cup. Dusty had gotten a McDonald's cup. So they just passed the cup and then they dumped the pee in the cooler. And just, uh, the dream's sitting in the middle so he could talk to both of those at the same time and be close. He's got that. All of a sudden, um, uh, Andre pees in the cooler and he hands it to Dusty and somebody I, I don't I can't remember exactly whether I, I guess Dusty said something that was really funny and I just don't remember what it was because Andre laughed so hard that he went forward to the front of my dashboard and when he when he when he went uh, backwards um, my seat broke so 
you know, he's so heavy, 450 pounds, and he went from the front of the car to the back of the car hard, laughing, so the seat, the seat snaps backwards, lands on Dusty's lap and squashes that cooler, so the pee went all over Dusty. I mean, just covered him in this ice-cold weather in car, and I thought I was dead, and he does a promo on me, he said, God! Damn, people, you just pissed on the American dream. I can't believe that, man, you cheap-ass car. You pissed on the American dream, the two greatest superstars in the wrestling industry. Now you got me embarrassed in front of the giant. I can't believe you did that to me, people. He went on and on. He said, you're going to be blackballed. You won't ever wrestle again. American dream will make sure you don't ever wrestle again. I'm peed all over. I don't smell good. I don't feel good. And I don't look good. And the giant is just going absolutely bonkers listening to this promo on me and uh, oh gosh it was it was hilarious he, the dream drove all the way back with heat you know all over him with no heater and Andre just totally loved me after that I was like you know, him and I whenever we were in a town together we were always together and what's funny is the very next week we went to a place called Felix's in New Orleans to eat uh, uh, oysters sure and drink beer so the, there was a uh, we get done doing that, and there's a place across the street, um, and I, I think it's still there. I think somebody said it's still there. There's a place where this, like, mannequin swings in and out, and the legs come out, so it's advertising like a booby bar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the boss, the boss says, uh, we go here. So uh, we start to walk to the place. It's about uh, maybe uh, 100 yards down the road, and I said, hey, I'm going to jump in here and pee real quick, and Dusty goes, no, come on now, let's go, you can pee. I said, okay. So, um, we get, we start to go, there's a platform, but we go up, there's, a, there's stairs, and then there's a platform, and on that platform, there's a big palm tree, and then there's another platform of stairs that goes up right to the side, to the right side, so if you're walking up, all you see is a wall that's got a, a photo, some kind of a picture on it, and uh uh, uh, nice palm tree decoration and uh, then you can't even see what's to the right but you walk up the stairs and uh, there, there's the bar so we get uh, just about to the Andre's on the platform and we're just about there I'm right behind Dusty and all of a sudden the lights go out boom and it's so dark you can't see your handy and I swear you could not see a thing Yeah. and Andre says hold on to your poke doing a deep voice, hold on to your poke. So right away, you know, we grab our wallets and thinking, oh, shoot, now these lights are off and I got to freaking pee. I can't stand it. I can't take it no more. So I turn around and that palm tree, it's like an outback jack thing. I guess there's no too many pee stories. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I start peeing in the palm tree and uh, I'm done and all of a sudden, uh, nobody knew, I, I got away with it and the lights pop on, and all of a sudden, I look, and the dream's going, God damn, God damn, what, what happened? And he, he I was peeing on his leg, and the whole time I thought it was the palm tree, and it went down inside of his boot. <laughs> he he took his jeans in the boot, and he's going, God damn, people, I know you peed on me, but God damn, what you, I can't believe two times in one week you will never work again, you black ball, and he pulls his boot <laughs> off of me. He, he dumps the urine out of his boot, and the giant is just absolutely, absolutely rip-roaring laughing. I mean, <laughs> so hard. And it was 
I, it was funny. I mean, it was just absolutely hilarious. And I'm, I'm sorry. Those are those, those are only the three only urine stories. I had. <laughs> <laughs> they just happened to be the ones I told you. <laughs> That's awesome. There's three P stories in one show. I gotta, you gotta love this. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, some great times. Yeah. Great times. Great times. And I suppose. You, uh, you, we, we talked as well. I mean, it would only be fair to kind of run through some of these. You talked. It, it's something that's kind of mysterious, and there's a lot of mystique around pro wrestlers because of it. It's technically uh, like a a dance with violence, so to speak, you know. But uh, we we obviously know how the how the game works nowadays. Unfortunately, the kayfabe has been has been taken out of it. I guess. Um, yeah. But but in terms of uh, you talk to me about some legitimate. Uh, legitimate tough guys last night. Um, why, why don't we, we go go through some of the guys who were just legitimate tough guys within the within the business back then? Well, uh, of course, uh, Haku would probably be one of the first names mentioned. Haku was just a tough son of a gun. We sure. were at a bar one night. Uh, some guy accused him of um, messing with his girlfriend or something, and uh, Haku wasn't like you know he's, he was a good guy, but. You know, if you get him drinking, and he had a couple of drinks, we had been there for probably a half hour, and, you know, we had kayfabe then, some baby faces are on one side of the bar, the heels are on the other side. And all of a sudden, some guy, we hear some eruption, and uh, a guy broke a pool stick over Haku's back, and then you see this guy airborne, then another guy's airborne, then the guy's face butted, head butted right on the ground. Another guy goes airborne. Another guy, Haku, reaches in and pulls his eyeball out. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, the, 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 I know the police came. I don't, I've heard only the stories about how they were nice to him and let him go into the, they couldn't handcuff him for some reason and they just let him into the squad car. But he got arrested uh, for doing that. But he was, uh, you know, to beat up six guys quick. Yeah, dude. You gotta be a, a, a tough guy. Yeah. And another, t- another tough guy was Paul Orndorff, and I have to tell you, uh, he beat up John Matuzak, who was a six foot seven um, uh, defensive tackle for the University of Tampa Spartans football team, and they were playing a uh, pickup basketball game, and uh, Gellerstead was kind of a bully and um, I, I mean uh, Matuzak was a bully and he uh, there was a nose guard named Sammy Gellerstead and Matuzak uh, got out rebounded by this 5 foot 10 nose guard here he is 6 foot 7 and it kind of hurt his feelings I guess this is Paul and um, Freddie Solomon the great quarterback the great wide receiver from the uh, 40, San Francisco 49ers God bless his soul what a wonderful man. But anyway, Freddie told me the story just as Paul told me. And uh, apparently on the when they were somewhere very close to that uh, happening, when uh, the small nose guard, Sammy Gellis, uh, out-rebounded Big John Matuzak, a couple plays later, a couple attempts at a basket later, um, Matuzak came down and hit Gellis right in the face and broke his nose and just laid him out, and Orndorff and Gellerstead were like peanut butter and jelly on the football team, two best friends, and Orndorff hit him with a left hook. Freddie Solomon told me that uh, Matuzak hit the ground so fast that it was amazing, and that nobody would ever, ever mess with him 
time after that. <laughs> and then, of course, you and then everybody, a lot of people know the story about uh, when uh, Vader was uh, in WCW and Orndorff was the agent. He was in a pair of flip flops and a pair of shorts, just like the, uh, uh, this same outfit he had on, basically when he bit Tony Atlas's ear off. What a, that's another good story. But uh, holy shit! But he beat up Van Vader after he got sucker punched and it tripped him over a couple boxes. And Vader went to pick him up, and um, Paul hit him uh, one time, and it just made Leon against the wall and Paul just commenced to beat the crap out of him. He was he was putting the boots to him barefooted. <laughs> just to speak. You know, he was raised in a chicken a converted chicken coop. Wow. Uh, very, very poor and he had a very rough tough upbringing and the guy was a legitimate tough guy. Uh, again, coming back from Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, Atlas was I, I love Tony, but uh, he was slapping the, uh, he found out he had to do a job and he didn't want to do a job and so he's screaming, nobody can kick my ass now, he said, well maybe I'm doing a giant maybe, and he's slamming locker room doors and everybody's on edge but nobody wants to be around that that kind of behavior in the locker room Sure. and and he's got uh, probably an hour before everybody got the finishes and we're all in the dressing room 45 minutes before so he had shot up six, six cc's Full of some type of uh, steroids, uh, yeah. two full, three, one in each cheek full, uh, mm. which holds three cc's. So um, he had done that uh, an hour before. He, he totally's been gassed since he's sixteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyway, he was a very tough guy. And on the way back uh, from Wheeling, West Virginia, I'm driving. Uh, Atlas is in the front seat. Paul's in the back seat in a pair of red shorts, white t-shirt. Had his crucifix on, and he, he didn't have flip flops on. Though this time he had uh, white tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, anyway, uh, uh, Atlas moves the seat back, and Paul said to Atlas, "Tony, uh, you know he goes, Murdoch, move your seat up." He said, "Don't call me Murdoch," and he went into this diatribe. But the reason Paul said Murdoch was when we first went into Bill Watson's territory. Um, Bill Watts told us, you guys need to drive with Killer Carl Cox or Dick Murdoch. He hated when they drove together, so he automatically assumed they were never together because he was a strict K-Faber. Yeah. But uh, they were driving together, and uh, Murdoch's got this bench seat. Um, him, uh, him and Carl Cox would share this car. Um, and uh, Murdoch also had a pickup truck. We were in this uh, like Pontiac, big body Pontiac, and it had a bench seat. And so every time we made a trip, Orndorff and I would sit in the back, and they'd pull that seat. Murdoch would, Murdoch or Cox would pull that seat all the way back so that we had to face each other with our knees to knees and drive 300 miles each way, or 350 miles, or 200 miles, or. 500 miles that was a long territory and when we sat in that back man we'd be cramped up and they just loved that that they thought that was funny because you know we're rookies basically yeah. uh, of course to them we're rookies. and uh so anyway when atlas tells uh when atlas moves the seat back and paul says hey murdoch move that seat up well tony atlas knows that murdoch's a prejudiced redneck kind of guy and um you know they they would talk to each other but 
Murdoch would make no punches about his feelings towards uh, African Americans or Jewish people or anybody else. I mean, he was uh, the epitome of a redneck. Right. right. So, so anyway, uh, Tony started yelling at him about calling him Murdoch and said if he didn't shut up, he was going to kick his ass. Now, now Tommy Rich is back on the back seat next to Paul Orndorff, and he's starting screaming, "Not, not guys, not guys, please, please don't argue." And uh, he's getting real nervous because now the vocals getting a lot more heated. Yeah, and they're yelling at each other back and forth. And um, uh, Paul said, "You're not going to beat my ass, Tony. In your dreams, you might beat my ass, but you'll never beat my ass." He said, "Well, let's pull over somewhere and uh, find out." Sure. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> Paul tells me, he says, pull the car over, Brian. And now Tommy Rich is screaming, guys, guys, please don't do this, guys. <laughs> and I said, guy, why don't you guys just uh, chill out, man, and have a beer or something. You know, back then, everybody would, it was no big deal. It was part of wrestling to drink and drive. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. there were more fatalities. But anyway, it was a stupid thing to do. But uh, uh, it's still the truth. And... Finally, Paul says to me, Brian, pull over, I'm going to kick your ass. Well, I know he was just saying that, but he, I'm, at the same time, I don't want, I don't want to fight Paul Orndorff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked for a place to pull up as quick as I could, actually. And I see this bowling alley, and there's some semi-truck trailers parked next to a tennis court. Uh, I mean, a uh, basketball court, combination basketball, tennis court. And um, so there's some grass in between. And I look and I said, I think this looks pretty good. We got a dirt parking lot here. And Tommy Rich is screaming, no, 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 you got to And uh, between Orndorff and uh, Atlas screaming at each other, you know, I had no choice. And, and so you got grass, you got a, you got a pavement whatever you guys want to do, you know, so I wanted to see him fight. Yeah, that's of course. The only thing, that's, the only, that's the only thing that was going to break this thing up. Yeah. So, uh, Tommy's, uh, now when they get out to walk out there, he, tears are coming to his eyes. And he's screaming, please, guys, oh, you know, I'm going to have a heart attack. You guys are saying anything he can to get him not to fight. So, Atlas walks over to the um, parking lot, the asphalt parking lot, chooses that. He's got cowboy boots on and, um, he had uh, either a world world gym shirt or a gold gym shirt. I think it was a world gym shirt on a t-shirt. And uh, of course, Paul handed me his crucifix. And so all he's got on is that red pair of shorts, the white t-shirt and the white tennis shoes. And all of a sudden, Atlas comes at Paul and he throws a right. Paul ducks the right and bellied backs him right on the concrete. Uh, went behind him, suplexed him right on the concrete. They roll around and you all of a sudden you hear, ah, you cheated, ah. And Paul goes, and blows his ear out of his mouth. Fuck. And Tony's sitting there crying and crying and screaming, and Tommy's going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's an ear. I can't believe it's an ear. <laughs> so he picks up Tony's ear, you know, he's got his ear, and he's going, oh my gosh, it's an ear, it's an ear. And, <laughs> Oh God! So we gotta take now. We gotta take Tony to the hospital. So we all get in the car. You know, Paul's cool about it, and and uh, Tony said, "Oh man, I can't believe that happened. You're the first guy that ever beat me up. Oh, you got lucky break, or whatever." And he Paul says, "Well, let's go do it again." And he said, "No, no, no, no. I got to get my ears sewn on." And uh, 
So we go to the hospital, take him to the hospital, and the lady says, well, he's going to have to stay overnight. So we left him there, and um, he never came back to the Georgia Territory. <laughs> he got around him. <laughs> He was, no, he, he was, never uh, came back. Next, he, he came back. The next place we saw him was in New York, yeah. and uh, he was as nice as could be to Paul. And he would tell everybody that Paul's the toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. And you know, blah blah blah. I mean, he loved, uh, he thought Paul was, he realized Paul was no nobody to mess with. So, so he, Paul and Haku were probably the two toughest guys that I know. So, he true, uh, he true Tony Atlas out on his ear. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. What a great, what a great story. I suppose, listen, I know you're a busy man, so I guess we'll finish up on something that would be about you and your own personal preference. Give me, if you can, um, maybe the top five favorite guys that you ever worked or that you enjoyed working with. I know that's probably tough, but it's... Well, uh, yeah, it is tough, but um, I can look yeah. around on my walls now that I'm in my uh, office and yeah. see, you know... Paul Orndorff obviously was one. Uh, Ravishing Rick Root was another uh, great guy to work with. Um, the Hart Foundation as a tag team. Uh, also Murdoch and Adonis were tremendous to work with as a tag team. Adonis was great, uh, great heel, wasn't he? <clears throat> oh, tremendous, yeah. tremendous. And the bumps, the bumps that he could take as a big man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the, the psychology between the two of them was phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, those are those are some of the, uh, you know, of course, Dory Funk Jr., Ric Flair. I've worked with Flair for the belt several times. Um, uh, Dory Jr. and I worked, oh, God, I don't know how many times. Mechanically, he's one of the best mechanical wrestlers there are, uh, ever was. So um, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of the best guys in the business, and yeah. it's it's always uh, really really fun. And if, if you don't mind, and I'd like to mention to your uh, to your uh, viewers, to your listeners, excuse me, your listeners, that yep. um, our new comic book, uh, the Killer Bee comic book series, just came out. Yep. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, they're very true uh, about how we. Uh, you know, it's animated. It's uh, it's a great. Uh, I'm, I'm was never into cartoon books that much, but uh, these wrestling, these new wrestling cartoon books that uh, Inverse Press is putting out. Yep. You can go to in, inver, inversepress.com, and you can get a uh, um, you can get an email to you for like three dollars or two dollars, and you get a hard copy for five dollars. Um, and uh, again, they make great Christmas gifts. Um, I don't, you guys celebrate, celebrate Christmas there? Oh hell yeah, man! I got my tree up now. My girlfriend's got the got all my presents wrapped under the tree, looking very nice. And uh, and to be oh, man. and to be honest with you, Brian, I'm actually a comic book guy myself, so I'm actually intrigued uh, to 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 look at those. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, the guy did a great job. Uh, <laughs> the guy from uh, Marvel Comics. Um, Del Barris, who used to work for Marvel and DC, sure. is now uh, working with, uh, he, he uh, they own uh, Inverse uh, Press and SquaredCircle.com, both awesome. InversePress.com, SquaredCircle.com, and they're doing com comic books on uh, uh, guys that uh, aren't uh, hooked, uh, aren't glued to WWE right now. So th there's some good talent um, 
that he's that he's doing. Uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, his was the first one to come out. Then it was Nikita Koloff. Awesome. And now we have we we signed for a four book series. So they did mine first. Uh, Jimmy's will come out, uh, I think, in about thirty days, and then uh, about four months later to have because it'll show how we meet in Brantford, the road that took us to. Brantford, Ontario, before we came up with the Killer Bees name and uh, became the Killer Bees. And it shows Hogan, the end on both books. We'll, you'll see Hogan um, talking to me about a guy named Jim Brunzel and Hogan talking to Jim Brunzel about a guy named B. Brian Blair. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun book. For, for that low of a price, you can't go wrong. Um, it's Absolutely. great art, you know, and, it's, and it's true. That's what I love about it. Every word in it is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know you only deal in truth. How's, uh, how's Hogan doing these days? I know you guys are very, very close. Um, is he, is he's he doing good? good. You know, he's doing good. He, uh, he uh, has a little feud going with Beefcake now. And I see we'll that. See how that comes out. Are they working? <laughs> are they working? <laughs> no, they're not working. It's a shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I know Beefcake. Uh, there was talks possibly to have Beefcake, Beefcake on uh, on Dynamo's dozen as well, um, because I'd like to hear both sides of the story. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Hogan's probably too big to come on my show, but you never know. Maybe B. Brian Blair can tell Hogan how how great a host I was, and he might he might say hello. <laughs> you, you you are a great host, Ian, and I will tell. Absolutely. Uh, and, and plus, plus, you know, like I said, I've been to over fifty countries, and. Uh, I wrestled in over fifty countries, and I've never been to Ireland, so that's definitely on my bucket list. And well, that's going to happen. Know, has, Hogan been, has Hogan been there? Um, Jesus H Christ, man, that's a good question. Um, I know back in like the early nineties that they used to do some shows here, but I'm not sure if Hogan was ever actually here on one of the shows. I don't think so. Maybe you know, and I like to consider myself a little bit of a wrestling historian, but I cannot quite answer that one yet, but I am going to research that, and actually maybe some of my listeners might know that, but I don't think so, I don't think so. Well, that's cool, that's cool. You know, uh, Ian, it's been awesome to be on uh, Dynamo's Dozen, uh, what a great name, what a great podcast, what a great host, and uh, I'm sure the people of Ireland are wonderful people, and I can't wait to meet them, and uh, yeah. uh, come to your country, and um just remember uh, caulifloweralleyclub.org, and re uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club is awesome. You want to be a part of that, and uh, remember to pick up a comic book, a Killer Bees comic book. For sure. One of, one, of your, one of your stars that you like at uh, yeah. inversepress.com. Inversepress.com. I'm definitely going to pick one up, and uh, what I might even do, I might even have a uh, lucky listener win a comic book in the next couple of months as well. We might uh, get that endorsed a little bit more on uh, on Dynamo's dozen. So, um, you know, Brian, as I say, it's been a pleasure. Me, me, and you, as I say, have, have talked now for a couple of weeks. Uh, you've been you've been a very very accommodating um, friend to me in a very short space of time, and uh, I hope that will continue. Um, Absolutely. And we will uh, we will obviously have you on again because an hour is just too short for some of the stories and amazing matches that you've had. So we will get you on again. And uh, for sure, we will arrange to get your ass over here to Ireland as well because you haven't had a real Guinness until you've had an Irish Guinness. So, oh man, I love Guinness too. Hell yeah! Wait, you have it. Yeah, it sounds great, my man. Listen again, Brian Blair from Ian the Dynamo Kelly. Thank you so much for taking time out today and speaking to me. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, and I wish you a merry Christmas. If I'm not talking to you before then. 
thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you and all your guests. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends and uh, happy holidays to everyone. And everybody keep on buzzing and feel the sting. Feel good. I love it, my man. I love it. So there you have it, guys and gals. B. Brian Blair, what an absolute gentleman, what amazing stories, and he's become a really good friend as well. So i got to say thank you so much to, uh, to Brian for, for taking the time to, to come on and speak to us. Um, now, what I do got to do, uh, I promised all you guys just over the next coming weeks exactly what we've got going on in the world of Irish wrestling and some of the events that you can go and see over the Christmas period. Um, on Saturday, the 9th of uh, December, the day after White Collar Pro Wrestling, Over the Top presents Being the Elite Live in Dublin. Again, the National Stadium, 145 South Circular Road in Dublin 8, um, 9.30, or sorry, um, 7.30 to uh, 11 p.m. Those shows go on a long time because they are so badass and on that show, as you all know, it's featuring the return of the Young Bucks, the villain Marty Skrull, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, you got to have Will Ospreay, Lucha Star Phoenix, um, NLW champion Mark Haskins with Jordan Devlin. What a fucking card. Uh, Session Mott Martina, the Kings of the North, and uh, many, many more. It's an over-16s event only. Um, and it, the event will be recorded. There's meet and greet tickets. It can only be purchased with uh, with valid ticket uh, event ticket information. Again, go to eventbrite.ie forward slash e forward slash over the top wrestling presents being the elite live in Dublin. Uh, if you type it into the Google device, you will see it anyway. And then the day after on Sunday, over the top wrestling presents aftershock. Up north they go to Belfast at the Mandela Hall, seventy seven to seventy nine University Road. Um, in the uh, up in Belfast, that's going to be an amazing, um, amazing show. Uh, all attendees must be fourteen years of age or older. Um, there was there's also been limited seating added to this event on the floor level. Um, alcohol will be served at this event, however, only on the balcony level. So uh, only those who are over eighteens are permitted to access the balcony. Um, Dublin Banter bus um, pick up from the Tivoli Theatre at two thirty p.m. Um, select bus ticket and then a ticket required seating slash standing and must have bus and event ticket um, early entry to the event um, see the tickets will be free meet and greet and greet with two performers um, to uh, to all you guys that are going up um, up to Belfast um, on this show as well just to give you an idea um, ROH stars Dalton Castle and the boys um, Session Mott Martina, Kings of the North, Lucha Underground star Phoenix, NLW champion Mark Haskins, WWE UK star Jordan Devlin, um, Northern Ireland's own Curtis Murray, Angel Cruisers and many, many more. Um, that's going to be an amazing thing. And then um, for our Cork friends with CCW, they have a CCW Riot Presents the Nutcracker, which is on the 16th of December um, at St. Finbar's National Hurling and Football Club. Uh, Togger up in Cork um, it's going to be a unique Christmas special Dublin event header um, that will be live on Saturday the 16th um, so for the first time those guys are going to have two shows in the one day with a family uh, friendly matinee from 4.30pm um, to their over 18's riot event from 7.30pm any over 18's with tickets for the riot event will have free access to the matinee show 
Um, and you can see all your favourite CCW stars, including CCW heavyweight champion um, Pastor William Ever, uh, Jody Fleisch, CCW all-star champion Danny Butler, Danny my man, the Armstrongs, uh, Ricky Combat and the Establishment Therapy and more. The show will also feature the debut of UK's most sought-after, El Ligero. Um, the venue is just 15 minutes from the city centre, bus route 214. Um, ID required for the over-18s event. There will be a full bar, avail full bar available. Um, the, the matches that they have announced so far is for the CCW Heavyweight Championship with Pastor William Ever, who is the champion, versus the 2017 Celtic Rumble winner, the Phoenix Jody Fleisch. Um, CCW Tag Team Championship match, the Establishment versus the Armstrongs, that's going to be awesome. Um, El Ligero will face Ricky Combat. And also, another man of mine, Irish Wrestling's hottest free agent, hashtag the face of Irish Wrestling, Justy, will be in action as well. Um, and also, after almost a two-year absence, Burns returns for one night only. So there you have it. And that's about it for Dynamo's Dozen today. Please go to um, iTunes, hit the subscribe button, and leave us a rating and a comment. Um, IanKelly800.podbean.com is where you can find my website and you can find all the back catalogue of episodes that we've done so far. And we are available on all Android devices um, at Dynamo's Dozen on Twitter or at IanKelly800. You will find that there as well. And uh, soon to come, a... Uh, there will be an updated um, at Dynamos Dozen on Twitter. So if you want to just follow me on at Ian Kelly 800 for the for the meantime, um, I would suggest doing that. Um, also, if you go to Facebook and hit the like on the Dynamos Dozen page, leave some comments. I've got put some stuff up there over the past week for a special Christmas show that I'm going to be doing. Uh, I need your participation so that you can have your opinion shared on Dynamos Dozen. We've been looking at some stuff like what's your favorite gimmick match? Do gimmick ma matches work and whatnot? Um, your top five favorite, you know, dream matches and stuff. So that's going to be awesome. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with this awesome song, which is a hint. Over and out, guys. <laughs>